Right, so this is Big Lloyd. This is Tempo Flow Music Industry Talks. This is part two with Quare Quayton. Um, the guy's dropping some serious gems. Um, it's been amazing. Uh, the first part just flew by. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. But yeah, we're going to get Quare back in here. Also, remember people, as well as watching this back on IGTV, um, on the Tempo Flow page, this is also a podcast. You can listen to this on Spotify and Apple um yeah be on amazon like literally um it's amazing and also this is the end of season one i haven't said that um publicly yet so you don't get the exclusive but this is the 17th episode of season one and we're ending with a bang we're ending with kwame equator the og um season two will be back bigger and better i think we'll be back next year um shout out selena and lauren the co-founders we're working on some big ideas some big things are happening um but yeah this is like incredible to have Kwame bless us on this do you know what I mean let's get him back in let's get the OG back Kwame you're back oh yeah love that so I was just saying to the people I haven't even said it on the page yet but this is you're the last guest for season one we're ending with a band <laughs> gotta be man what can i say listen yeah. only certain man can cause that kind of problem it's a pleasure to have you on because you know you're our 17th guest i know you've been doing this with the music business online show yourself and you know how hard it is True. to keep going but yeah, we're going to end this season with you We'll be back next year. This is also Spotify and Apple, so you can listen back to this quarry when you want. There you go. Uh, and then we'll get the questions back in. So R&B scene goes, what does the UK R&B scene need to really thrive? Wow. Okay, number one, it needs belief. Proper belief. Like, <laughs> hands out belief like church belief. And why I say that is because UK R&B is one of the most questioned genres going. Yeah? It's one of the most questioned. Like, as in people are like, yeah, but it hasn't blown, it hasn't blown, it hasn't blown. But I tell you, if you stuck together all of the acts and took their streams and blah and blah and blah. You you would you would have actually a really really big force. Now you only have to look at the fact that colours right now, you know, puts a video up and blah and this and you know someone's got two three four hundred two million three million four million whatever. Mm. It shows you that there's a thirst, but it's that thing with UK R and B that people are UK somehow it's you know whatever. And it's like, no, it ain't. it's this. Because the simple truth is, is, as we know in the UK, we are very, very, very good at the early adoption thing. Mm. What we've got to get better at is long term. And it will. It will take a, there'll be, it's true. Somebody said a platform. I saw that. I can't remember who, but someone said a platform. 
yeah, we've got colours, but you probably need about three or four or five colours. Mm. You know what I mean? And then you probably need, on top of that, you know, as you, you know, you like your GRM daily, but for R&B, you need your, you know, for R&B, you know, those as well, that are around the lifestyle as well. Mm. And, and I think that with all of that, yeah. You know, but I I still sit there and go, we we ain't doing too bad. You know, because I always find it find it funny. You know, people will go, yeah, but you know, I don't know from the black music scene. You know, blah blah blah. And then I go, you know, what about George Smith then? Now I know that's contentious because a lot of people are going, she's pop or blah or this. <laughs> and I go, do you know what? No, no. You know, look, just look at it plain as. You know, ultimately, she still sings. She still sings. She still got soul. She still got, you know, um, band members. The band members are often rooted in some of the, you know, jazz scene. You look at Femi, he's a drummer for Ezra Collective and blah. You know what I mean? So she has players yeah. and blah and blah and this and that. Being held out by Drake and whoever else. It's like, come on now. That's the situation. Anyway, that's just what I think. And exactly, Mahalia, come on now. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing, exactly. Nubaya Garcia, you know. But again, I have to remember we've got that we've got the UK R&B scene. But as I said, the, the UK new wave jazz scene and its roots as well—they're coming through and linking, you know, onto what's going on because the UK uh, new jazz scene as such, and and people will be seeing a lot more of it because I know that. For instance, Blue Note Records have just, um, they're going to be putting out in a month's time, like an album that's got like everybody on it. It's got Blue Lab, Ezra, George yeah. Smith, blah, this. And that is really going to come through like culturally as a, as a big thing. Because obviously it's on a culture, Blue Note as a record label is a culturally big sort of label, jazz label. Yeah. And, ja and jazz is not a dirty word anymore. You know, because it, it, right now, people yeah. are like, it's it's the perfect anti to what's going on in pop. So, yeah. Interesting. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And something I wanted to get into you with, which we have to touch upon is, um, I like to talk to the OGs about it. I had Keith Harris on here and we got into it. It's the change that's going on for black music and black executives because, yeah. you know, Keith was explaining how he was with his son Hamish and they were like, Dad, you should really speak on what's happening. And he put out the open letter, which I know you read, you know. Yeah. I'm sure you was asked for your comments and opinions <laughs> a few times. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, good. When he wrote it, I was like, good. So what's you your opinion on, on this? Keith Harris, I've called, my, he, he knows, I call him Dad all the time. Yeah, of course. That's what I call him, literally. I just call him dad. He's like, yeah, yeah, come. Give me a hug. That's him. He's, he, he's, he's OG. But what's your thoughts on these things happening? Because his, his thing, as you saw in the letter, was don't let it be in vain, right? Don't let it be in vain. We've seen this before. You know, even he went through his own struggles that coming back to England after managing Stevie Wonder being in America, there was no, there was no job for him. You know, there was nothing. In terms, in terms of in terms of how you're seeing things and how you're 
seeing black executives or the the playing field. Let, how, how's your view on it? Well, my view is a lot of people. <laughs> I I find it funny because with the pandemic, there's a lot of people, right? <laughs> you check the language. A lot of people will say, "Yeah, yeah, but I really want things to go back to normal." You know, when, when things go back to normal, then blah. I'm like, nah, I want things to go back to normal. <laughs> I'm like, I'm actually, you know what? Sure, I could have left out, you know, some of the some of the 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 the, the the horrific things that happened in order for us to reach here. But us reaching here is not going to be in vain at all. And us going forward is not going to, we're not going to drop the baton. And here's the thing. We're not going to drop the baton, not because I say so, but because the younger generation, they ain't having it no more. <laughs> And the younger generation have gone out on the street and what they've done is, is they reawakened us lot. We were like sleeping lions. And they reawakened us lot and made us reignite our passion and got our flame rolling like all over again, you know? So they got us. And the thing is, so we're like, no, it's cool. And the funny thing is, is, we don't mind the young ones driving the car. We don't mind. We'll sit in the back seat, and if you need our advice on which way to turn, we'll tell you. But the thing about you lot that's great is, is that you lot, you're not having it. The younger, the younger gen, younger gen, and to be honest, even the 25 and unders, they're not Gen Zs. They ain't having it. And I know that because I've got a daughter who will t put me straight when people. Do you know what I mean? When I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, blah, blah. She's like, Dad, no. Listen, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, woo, okay. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. And so from that, and we're, we're in it. The, the, the great thing is, is technology has joined old and young in a way that hasn't been seen before. Before, oldies used to go, yeah, but you know what, in my day, yada, yada. Now we're like, I don't care about my day. I'm like, you know what, come, let's go. Let's go. You get in the front, you drive. I don't care if you drive fast. Let's go. Come on. Because you know what? It took too long to reach here anyway. 2020? And only now we're seeing Black execs. Come on, man. Come yeah. on. Interesting. It's interesting. It's good to get your thoughts on it because, you know, I know you get asked those questions a lot. Um, and obviously you're in the mix with young people, older people, you know, people from your generation, so... I'm very fortunate, it's... like a lot of the... Organ I'm very fortunate. A lot of the organisations, the new ones springing up, have, have invited me to be part of the push. So, and, and I'm very honoured to have even been asked, because I'm like, dude, I'm over 50 years old. Like, you, you, <laughs> you know, I know I look good, but, you know, still, I'm just saying, that's the situation. But, you know... I'm, I'm honoured for that, but I, I don't lose any of the fight for it. I'm like, come on. Because the simple truth is, we didn't, we didn't get here by being kind of, sort of gently kind of massaged or blah. You know, every one of the discs that are on the back of this wall and the discs that are in my garage, like, I had to scrap for. 
Mm. I've had to, you know, it's that thing where you're in a building and people are like, why are you here? <laughs> other, people are, other people are asking you, oh, yeah, can, you know, you look at it in the 90s, someone will, you'd be in a hallway and someone will go, yeah, can you hold my coat? You know? That's crazy. You know what I mean? Oh, um, well, so are you going to turn off the lights? Oh, no. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Well, because I'm, I'm late. Like, what? Oh, no, no. I thought you Oh, all right. Sorry, no. I missed... Use that. You're like, what? That's crazy. But that's the situation. But we're here, man. We're here. And it ain't so, about, it's about moving forward. And it's about, it's about, it's about everything, you know? So as a manager, you sold like millions of records, you know, millions, albums, sold out tours. What's been some of your proudest achievements or moments as a manager? Oh, well, I would say as a manager, I remember watching Blue Lab at WOMAD and looking at the audience. By the way, that performance is online. It's on YouTube now. Blue Lab beats at WOMAD. And just, they brought out, and this is, imagine this is three years ago. So they brought out Koji Radical, Tiana Major 9, Kaidi Akinibi, right? Those were the guests. Okay. Mm. Now you look at where those three are like now. Mm. You can see. So I remember just being like, like properly proud, and then looking at the crowd, and the crowd was heaving in the tent. Like there's a good few thousand people in the tent. I just remember going, "This is nuts, man!" Because this is a yeah. band that really they've only just started to to sort of move and it's it's full in it. it's crazy like this is mad and i just remember thinking this is amazing it was great and koji came on and he did the track with tiana and oh it's great so i remember thinking that was brilliant i remember thinking um so i'm very proud of the boys for that very proud of um i remember lauren vula when we did the bbc proms royal albert hall uh, and it was her show. Like I had done this thing where I'd organised it so that the orchestra, with Jules Buckley, orchestra being the orchestra leader, coming over from Holland, I'd actually got a brand to pay for their flight over. Um, I had got uh, another brand to cover. Abbey Road. So what was happening was they were going to come over. So it's the whole thing was all like this. So they recorded the records, wherever did we, and then came and did the proms as well. Yeah. And it was a prom, so it was Laura's album, the first album, and we recorded it as well. So we recorded not the proms, boards, we recorded in Abbey Road, but with a sixty piece and redid the whole of the first album. And at the time, I remember. Right, the the execs from RCA, they were just like, "Why are you redoing the first album? I don't see the point. Why, why, why?" why? <laughs> and I was like, "Do you know what? I don't know. I just feel it, you know." And um, they were just like, "Oh, you know, come on." And it was like, Kwame, you know, just get on with the next album. Get on with it. I was like, "No, you mm. know, just no." And um, I, they were like, "Well," and it was very much like, 
they weren't going to give me the money to do the record. So I went and I just got brands and convinced them all to, to, to cover the record. And, um, and we got, got it all covered. Labels didn't have to pay one cent for the whole record. Yeah. Wow. And I got them to put their royalty up. I'm revealing secrets, but I'm nothing compared to Kanye, so it don't matter. So <laughs> they put the thing up, put the royalty up, because I said, you guys didn't pay anything, so come on, put the royalty So they put the royalty up, then we put the record out, and whatever they predicted for week one, we did times four. And that was the situation. So that was the vibe. Crazy. But that was one of my most proud, proudest moments, was standing in a box at the Royal Albert Hall with the place full and Laura just killing it. And I just remember going, pow, we did it. And at the same time, got Radio One did a live broadcast of the whole concert. So it was on for like over an hour on Radio One. And after that, the label, the head of the label and the head of radio came <laughs> up to me and they, and they went, we're so sorry, we're so sorry. We, we didn't get it. We, we didn't. We didn't get it. We just want to apologise. I was like, "Yeah, man, <laughs> take it." You know. So that was another one. Um, proud managerial moment. Uh, I think I would other proud moments. I would give. I put into another box because I'd say production come production company moment. Mm. I would say. Just what do you know? The Shola story, which was a fairy story, and watching that just, just come and her just it become huge, and it be on every radio station, and even now sometimes I'll be walking down the road and it'll be playing, and I'm like, wow. Obviously, you know, as well as saying kaching, but I'm still I'm going wow. <laughs> but kaching, kaching. Yeah, but you know, listen, she's a darling. Forget. Even Kashinga Kashin like, she's a darling, you know, and she, you know, she came as a, a young, because a lot of people don't realize she was 16, 17 years old when she sung You Might Need Somebody. Crazy. You know, and, and she, she, she did the vocals, she did the vocal in two and a half hours. Crazy. You know, sang it into an SM58 mic, not even a flash mic, a normal live mic. And that is what you hear on the record today. You know, so things like that. Or even being in the studio when I'm standing there, we've just done a remix for someone. I remember, and I, and I, I, I had the DAT for a track that had just been, had been done by um, the Jerkins boys, you know, Rodney Jerkins and Freddie Jerkins. I've done this, imagine, I've done this tune, imagine, right? And um, I remember going, I said to the engineer, I said, You do garage mixes? He said, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I said, I'll tell you what, you fancy having a guy at this? He was like, yeah, all right, all right. So, so he was like, yeah, I'll have a go. I was like, have a go. I was like, okay, cool, have a go. Listen, man, two weeks later, Giza comes back, right? And he's done, um, he, he, he plays me, he plays me. And I'm like, okay, let me hear it, let me hear it. And the Giza, right, comes and he goes, he goes, Kwam, take a listen. Right. And I'm... Very, very big 
was like, yo, ran to Warner Brothers, blah, this, that, X, Y, Z. Anyway. But, you know, there's still bits in that story that... There's still bits in that story that I got wrong. I remember I was like, no, it should just be on vinyl, shouldn't be on the CD, made that as a bit of a cock up, you know what I mean? But then we re-released it and it still charted. But it should have been on the first one and I had to take that in the chin on the chest because you don't, I, t I tell the mistakes too. Uh, that's the situation. Also, recently, one of the things that I've been really proud about, let's face it, um, in 2009, I came across a young singer uh, completely, you know, my stories are always bananas. Uh, basically, I was, I was in a, I was in a, I was in a uh, rack studios. You know where rack is, right? So I was yeah, in rack yeah. studios in Chalk, yeah, yeah, wherever it is. Anyway, so I was in rack studios, North yeah, London yeah. rack studios, and a guy hands me a phone and he says, "Listen," he says, "There's a girl on the line. He goes, and uh, she. She needs to know, she needs somebody that knows about sort of black music, r and He goes, I don't know anything about it. Do you want to? Anyway, hands me the phone and I just happened to be there. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll take it. Took the phone, right? I start chatting to this person on the other She's like, hi. She's like, you know, I'm from Australia. I've been doing blah, I've been doing blah. I did this, I did this. I, I was like, this. what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. So she hands me four or five tunes. I keep in contact with her. Then I come home. When I come home, I said, you know what? I said to my missus, because I looked, she sent through some tunes and I remember going, this girl, she's good, you know. She's good. She's got some. Anyway, so I said, let's raid the piggy bank. Remember, we had not much money. So we raided the piggy bank and we, we put some money towards just getting us some stuff done and blah. And we tried for X amount of years. It didn't work and whatever. And then I went and I did what they call a participation deal with, with Sony. ATV, I said, listen, I'll sign her basically to you, but you guys, you know, percentage-wise, you give me a slice from your side, blah, 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 yeah. for, for, for whatever, because I still, but I really still believe in this girl. Yeah. Anyway, that girl, right, turns out to be this. So this tune, yeah, I got that. I got that. <laughs> so you're looking at a tune that's done a billion streams, right? So I'm like, oh, right. So just things like that. But there are many other. There's loads of other stories in between. You know, I'm Caitlin Scarlett. So listen, you know. This one, when she came first came, she came as a person that was very much like, you know, was an artist and very much into doing the artist thing, you know. But I knew from even then that this girl could write and write for other people and etc. And luckily, she trusted it, you know, because there's a lot of people that would have been like, no, 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 no. But, you know, somewhere along the line, she was like, okay, cool, I'll, I'll, and you know, the deal did a deal with Shar at BMG, and 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 you know, she then gets chosen to be on the you know, Rihanna writing camp, and from there, that's when I remember thinking, okay, other people are recognizing it now. It's not just me and Johnny wandering around going, this girl's great. You know? Yeah, big old Caitlin, man. Pink so she, yeah, she's she, she's crazy, you know. Um, 
and yeah, there's just you know, there's other, there's other, there's other winners in there. Steve Brown, I've always been, always, you know, come on, man. Imagine I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the Palladium, right, and the geezers written the, the musical that I'm in the help negotiate. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm sitting there, I look at there's a whole musical on, and I'm thinking to myself, come on, man, crazy, crazy. So stuff like that. Jack Gourlay, producer, you know. All the way through working and working and working him, and then you know he, he goes. He's in Germany. I mean, it's a long journey, whatever. But you know, and he is a grafter as well. I really want to get that across. But he, you know, ends up and he, he's ended up with a you know a, a platinum record in Germany, and he's now he also produced uh, a Caitlin early on as well. Crazy, you know. So and and, and has worked with a whole bunch of people. You know, so yeah, and there's there's loads. There's, you know, I'm very very fortunate. I'm very, you know, because you do need luck as well with it. It's no use, you know. Also, Rob Shirelli. Rob Shirelli, I worked with for years. I've worked with him for probably over twenty years, right? And mm. and Rob was always, I don't know what they say, never the bride. So he was always, you know, the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> when it came the brides. When it came to the gra Grammys, you know, we, we get he get nominated and and he would just know. And then one day he said to me, "This is time before the Grammys." He said, "He said this was four years ago." He said, "Kwame, you know what? I'm not gonna go to the Grammys." I said, "But you've been nominated." He said, "I know. I'm not gonna go to the Grammys." Um, and this, by the way, is just after I got him work on a new band at the time called Rizzle Kicks who he then did some programming and blah blah whatever one and ended up programming a track called Mama Do The Hump that then just right yeah. so he he said I'm not going to the Grammys he said, I'm going to sit down I'm going to sit down in his chair I was like alright cool he said he said it's my lucky chair he said I'm going to sit in this chair he said at home and I'm not going to the Grammys he said, because it's my lucky chair. He goes, I've had loads of hits in this chair. That's where I'm going to sit. I said, okay, well, we'll see. Anyway, next morning I wake up, Rob Shirelli's won a Grammy. He said, see, I told you. <laughs> anyway, so from then on, he then, the next year, he went, to the, he went to the Grammys, but he took a piece of his chair, he put it in the top of his pocket, he won again. <laughs> That's incredible. And then incredible. he did it the next year. He took another piece, put it in there. He won again. <laughs> <laughs> he won three in a row. He won three Mate, Grammys. One, two, three. He's won. He won. It's literally. He won another one. He's won. He's got four. We've got four Grammys now. Incredible. So, yeah. So, listen. All of that. Plus, obviously, very proud of the consultancy. That was a small idea, you know, that Johnny joined as a you know as a as a co-partner on and and the you know ferocious fab consultancy you know has 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 done great we've had some great you know successes through that and it's just it's just nice because you're helping people and you're doing it in a really kind of cost-effective way it's not you know it's just good so that's yeah. good um and then i yeah. hold on so this is management but then i just want to ask quickly because we got loads of questions coming in but what's been your proudest moment on the Ultimate Seminar side? Because you've done many, there's been many year after year, some brilliant panels. I've been to some. 
yeah. you know, some brilliant guests, which one or what would you say is your proudest moment on that side? Okay. On the one hand, I'm going to go for the Urban Music Seminar, right? So the Urban Music Seminar, I'd say one of my proudest, proudest moments there, definitely, weirdly, this is, this is 20, 2002, 2003, 2003, right? Was, in fact, 2003, 2004, was Kanye West came and opened our press release, right? Crazy. And I just remember going, this is crazy. And then at the same time, we had Dame Dash Rockefeller. They flew in loads of their artists. And I just remember thinking, this is nuts, right? Yeah. And then at the same, also interviewing, you know, Kelly Rowland and, and, and Matthew Knowles and them coming down. And then also introducing to the set more fire crew, Lethal Bizzle, like Dynamite. And just the okay. excitement, the excitement around the UK act let alone the US ones, was nuts. That's what I remember thinking, because that's the thing we knew. We were like, nah, it's going to kick here, you know, because the yeah. crowd was having it, you know? Yeah. So, so there was that, and everything that went around there. I mean, there's so many successes from, from the seminars as well, and I love seeing the people that have gone on, used the knowledge that came from it, and now got their own businesses that are doing really well. And so I love that. Um, but the seminar here, I mean, there's so many bits, so many, you know, when Nick Raphael did his talk, you know what I mean? That was nuts. When, yeah. um, when, uh, oh man, it's just, there's so many, Rob Pascoe talking, you know, when Stormzy coming all those years ago okay. and just blessing up the place, like he was new, he was young, he was fresh and we were like, He's gonna go, you know, and and you know, and he comes down and he talks at it, and we're just like, this is nuts, you know, um, and just the executives, the executives that have come and spoken at it, and it, you know, every Glyn, you know, Ricky, you know, Tim Blacksmith, you know what I mean, like all of them, man, all of them, and the, how well, I mean. Tim Blacksmith, we honoured in 2002 as a rising star exec. And I'm like, come on now. This is the situation. It's like, I would say to everybody, do not be afraid, right, of telling artists and telling execs what you feel about them now. Don't wait for them to die. Mm. Tell them now. Because you know the path. I'll be of the black exec in this here country. It's a tough one. It's a tough road. People are only now revealing things like microaggression, things like ceilings, glass ceilings, things like, you know, harassment, things like bluffs, things like this. They're only now revealing, this is 2020. Many of us, you, various, have suffered these things for years, right? And it's only now being brought to the surface. And it's, it's, it's coming, it's only now. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, Lloydie, listen, when I see you up in that building, those buildings, I'm like, <laughs> check me, check me. Yeah, hey. 
That's the situation. That's what I'm like. I'm like, I'm like, because quite simply, right, for some, it, you know, it's an easier path. For you, I know you would have had to have scaled all manner of mountain to get in there, stay in there, you okay. know, take all of the little, the comments and the blur and the this and the that. Knowing sometimes that you know what, maybe the artist you signed maybe didn't get as much as somebody else, but you know what, you 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 you're like, don't worry, we'll make it up on the other side because you know this yeah. one's gonna go. It's like all of that kind of stuff. Those nights where you're like you're lying asleep at night and you're thinking to yourself, how am I gonna explain the fact that I love this new act and I know people aren't gonna understand it? You know all of that stuff that you have to deal with now. That you know what 2020 has, in a way, has cranked it at so that it, it's a little more plausible that you will be listened to. You know? I hear that. So we got to move through these questions because there's loads. Come on! Um, bring it! So Pray For Man says, biggest regrets. Now that's interesting as you just listed so many highs. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> biggest regrets. The biggest regret, one of one of my biggest regrets is probably, I remember, and I've said this before, I shared it with Shemra, um, there's an executive in America called Peter Reg, and he said to me, Kwame, he was like, Kwame, he goes, I know T-Influence, you're producing all these acts, and I, but I really think there's a new artist that you really need to check out, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, Peter, listen, man, we've got loads on, we've got to do this remix, this blah, this blah, blah. He's like, no, no, no. He goes, listen, I'm going to make sure I'm going to get you some tickets. I'm going to get you blah. Make sure you get... Anyway, so I was like, all right. He said, send the tickets, but I don't know whether we'd come. Anyway, the day came. We were in the studio. We were knackered, blah. We were like, we're never going to get to this thing. So we'll give it a miss. Anyway, you know, about a week later, he phoned me up. He goes, Kwame. He goes, I really wanted you. I wanted you to introduce you because I wanted you to get involved somehow, production blast somehow. You know, he said the Alicia Keys records is going to be really big. You know, and you. Uh... Anyway, so <laughs> I Fair will enough. say it Fair with enough. my chest, my friends. <laughs> that's what happens. It's life, you know. You that's one. That's one of my biggest regrets, definitely. Um, um, I don't know. I think that. Um... But that's fine as it is. We don't have to go over it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think. I think everything. <laughs> everything else. Yeah, I just think to myself. Do you know what? Exactly. Someone just wrote, it is what it is. And I'm like, you know what? Pray for manual. It is what it is. And just the same as you did with one thing, then maybe you learned a whole set of other things that you did, you know? Because the simple truth is, is truthfully, I remember trying to sign Labyrinth's publishing. I was trying to sign Labyrinth's publishing. But we didn't have enough money, you know? Mm. But we had spotted the talent and we were we was in talks with this man who we was like, come on, come on, come on. And then basically, you know, the Timmy and the Danny came with a bigger offer and I was just, and, and in fact, blue ours, blue ours completely out of the water. Yeah. And so we weren't even really a com competing. And to be honest, we didn't even have, we didn't even have the framework to be honest to do it. So anyway, right. 
So he ended up in the right place. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Um, he ends up in the right place. But when it came again, and I felt that thing about a writer, I did move on Starley. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. unless one had happened, the other one wouldn't. True. So, All right, cool. Next question. In. So, Lecan 100 says, how did you convince the brands to support your artist, um, Lauren Vula's projects? So I guess the album where you got the brand deals to pay for it. How did you convince them? I'd love to say. That was easy. But it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. I will say this. Just sheer belief. Like, sometimes with me, I'm, I even, f I, I get scared of, of my belief sometimes. Like, because mm. I, I, I just believe in an idea and I just go at it. Like, mm. I'm like, I'm, cr I'm like crazy. I just literally, I go at it. I'll, I'll knock on every door, every this, every that, every, until something just goes, okay. And fearlessness, like you mentioned before, because I yeah. believe in being fearless as much as you can in a role like this or in this industry. Right. I'm, you know, I'm fortunate. Listen, my mum, bless her, sucks. Bless her. But she, she, you know, is in heaven right now and she's saying, I told you you could do anything. And she used to just say it all the time. She was oh, like, man. you can do anything, Quam. Anything. She said, anything you put your mind to, you can do it. Like, and I just remember being like, she's saying it. What is she saying? She used to literally look into my, like, peep into my brain <laughs> with her eyes and say it. And so after a while, you're just like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can do that. <laughs> you know, I can do that. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. That's mummy. We got mummy. Yeah. Um, we've got another one here. Mayday Carter says, can you tell us about the return of the Mac story? Oh. You mean that's Mark Morrison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Morrison, it's interesting that one. Because Mark Morrison, before Shola, how we got to even get Shola in the building with Warners was that we had done this new kid from Leicester called Mark Morrison. So what had happened was Mickey D, who was an A&R guy at the time, black A&R, back then, in the 90s, would you believe yeah. it? Basically, he was with Warner Brothers, and he just said, look, Kwan. He was like, um, come, help. I was like, how? He said, you've got to influence, blah, blah, blah. He said, I need a bit of help on this. And then first of all, it was this track called Crazy, right, that this guy had done. And I was like, okay, cool. I had to listen to it, and I was like, yeah, it's cool. I said, but I think we can give it a different spin. Took it back, took it back to the D-Lab, and we just worked on it. Worked on it, came back, boom. It came out, and Warner's phoned us up and said, listen, it's starting to do well, but up north. It's just the remix. So we were like, all right, cool. So then they were like, he's got another tune coming through. We were like, okay, fine. And Mark, at this point, was like, no, 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 they did really well with my last one. I want them to do this next one. So yeah. we were like, all right, fine. So I don't even know. I think it, I think Crazy was next or, no, Crazy was first and then it might have been Let's Get Down and then Return of the Mac or Return of the Mac and then Let's Get Down. But mm. Return of the Mac, 
the parts come and we're like, okay, cool, listen, there's already a, a main mix. We hear it's going to be released in the UK, but we'll do ours. So we did ours. And what happened was the American side, probably because we had been in America and yada, yada, they just picked up on it and were like, yo, this is great. So they put it yeah. on the US album. Yeah. It went on the US album and the rest is history of Mark Morris in America. I mean, it just blew. Like the whole thing just, you know, started, did well and yada, yada. So that was it. Um, and that was that was it. But we have to remember as well that um, that he was, you know, he was controversial before the, the word even had uttered on across people's lips. So he was doing all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff as well. <laughs> and as well, he's a hookmaster. You know, yeah. Mark, Mark, he'll do a tune. He's got so many hooks in it. You know, you got return of the Mac, right? You got. Oh, 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 in crazy. You got, you know, come on, swing. You got all of these different hooks. And yeah. then he does, he does earworm stuff to you all the time. You know, and that's what he's like. But um, yeah, he's a good, clever, clever writer. Clever writer, definitely. All right. Um, G-Star here says, what are five reasonable or reachable goals you suggest a new artist should take? A new artist should take reachable goals. Reachable or reasonable? Um, I would say, uh, uh, by the way, to finish off the Mark Morrison story, he then made us mix, a remix the next three of us. So we remixed five of his singles, basically. It's like half an album. <laughs> but yeah, and some of those then ended up on his American album and the rest of it. But um, reachable, reasonable and reachable goals, I would say this. I would say, Goals, um, know thine self, right? So with the music that you're doing, try and get to the soul of what it is and try and not rush, yeah? Try and get to the soul, one, and try and not rush, two, okay? Not rush. A lot of people, listen, listen to your young TM Bugsy, listen to them when they say don't rush. Don't rush, <laughs> yeah? Don't rush. Seriously. It's like, take your time, man. Because you only get sometimes one strike to be you with that first record. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. If it takes a little extra time, it takes a little extra... You know, people like Karim Bailey Ray, they didn't just arrive where they were, you know. That's like an eight-year climb for her yeah. to get there. But when she got there, whoo! You know? Crazy. So that's all I'm saying. It's like, no. You know? Um... Try and not listen to too many people. Always remember, I always find it funny when people are like, they come up and they go, so try and not listen to too many people. Know who to listen to. So it's this thing of people are like, oh, you know what? I was, I was talking to my friend and they told me that blah, blah. And I always go, wait, 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 wait. Stop right there. They're like, what? I'm like, you were talking to your friend, yeah? They're like, yeah, yeah. And my friend said, and I'm like, whoa, wait, stop right there. They're like, what? I'm yeah. like, how many records is your how many records is your friend sold? They're like, no. What are you saying? And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, <laughs> listen, it's kind of the same, right? If you going, hey, I want to buy a new car. You want to buy a new car? Yeah. What do you do? Do you go to the car salesman that hasn't sold any cars before? 
any cars that are of note, or do you go to the car salesman that sold one million cars? Or maybe you go to the car salesman that sold one million cars, you know? Because maybe they know, maybe they know and they've got customers that come back and back and back and back and back. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's the situation. And it's the same with listening to people. You will watch it. You know, choose wisely who you're going to listen to. Everybody else, just take with a pinch of salt. Mm. Um, reasonable, reachable goals. Reachable goals, I always... I would say a reasonable goal for an artist is this. Think of it like this. Reaching your first 100 people standing watching you outside of a pandemic bless, but when we can do gigs again, yeah. all I say is getting 100 people in a room to listen to your music is challenge one. Taking it from 100 to 300, it's very, very hard. So these are small steps, very small steps. But think of it like this, reach 70 people, then get to 150, and then get to 300. And you know what? If you can't do it playing, you know, in front of people, then do it online, same thing. Uh, you know? I mean, it's not exactly the same, but you know what I mean? It's, it's that thing of expanding your true fan base, but in, in small leaps. Because a lot of people there will say, oh, I want a big, big. And I'm like, no, nah. maybe what you need to do is get to know your core fan base really, really well. Uh, you know? Because actually a core fan base of like 300 can do a lot more damage than someone's got, oh, yeah, I've just streamed a million. Yeah, so what? <laughs> agree. I agree. You know, so I'd say that. Um, reachable goals to not be an arsehole. Yeah. That's a reachable goal. Hell <laughs> yeah, love that. <laughs> Practice that daily. Very important. Artists sometimes try and get away with a lot of crazy ass shit in the name of, I'm an artist, I can do that. No, 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 you can't. Just remember, okay? Very important. I know I stress it a lot, but... And I'm not saying, by the way, G-Star, that you are. I'm just saying, listen, the temptation will come. <laughs> Especially if you're successful. You're going to be surrounded by... Hear me when I say this. You're going to be surrounded by a bunch of people, right? That, you know what? They come from nowhere and suddenly they're your, they're your main friend. Main squeeze, like main, yeah! And some new family members. <laughs> yeah, understand that those people, as, as fast as they came and were in your life, will go. The minute that it gets lukewarm. Yeah? So whoever your friends are, keep them close. Yeah. Keep them really, really close. Hear them. Don't hear the other people. Because those other people, their job, primary job, is to get in between you and your friends. Mm. And to make you listen to them. And if you do that, the only thing that will go their way is your money. Okay, so there's that. Um, I think you covered it. Yeah, and the other thing is, listen, if you've got partners in this business, right? I'm fortunate. I've been with the same. My miss, I've been with my missus from before the influence, so over thirty years, right? I would say this, right? If you've got partners, okay. 
do not make the, the mistake of, yeah, well, you know what, now I've got my deal, I'm blown, I'm doing well. Now's the time to ditch them and, you know, move with someone new because just because I can. Mm. Listen, that's the sure way to becoming lonely very, very quick. Mm. All right? This business chews up, chews up and spits out a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. And and they get fooled by that thing. Well, you know what? Now I'm in this position. This is what I've got to do. You know? And I'm like, nah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's what I would say. I see Sarah Walks join. I see you, Sarah Walks. She's a great, brilliant keyboard player. Great singer-songwriter. Just want to say that. She's amazing. Very, very good. Sarah Walk music there. Brilliant. Just All doing right. a talk, Sarah Tempo and flow. <laughs> We're going to go to the next one because there's a feud. Do you think speaking up against its ex and their microaggressions and racism has lost its risk of negative ramifications since the BLM movement? Interesting question there. Yeah, I mean, that's a very studied question. And I would say, in a way it has, but in a way, you know, I think people know, they kind of know when they've got to be careful. Yeah, you know, but but at the same time, I don't know. I just don't think the time to be quiet is now. It's just like not. It's like say your thing, man. Say your thing. Do your do your thing. Like if it call it. If there's one thing the young generations taught me is call it, call it, call it, call it out. Mate. Right, just call it. Thumb it know? out quick. <laughs> yeah, because the truth is, is in our day, a lot of the time we we would just be like, oh, you know, oh. You know, now I'm like, later. Just, yeah, you know. We're not having it. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm learning all the time. Don't even, people, seriously, don't think I know everything because I don't. I'm learning off you. I'm learning off you. Sure, I might have, listen, I've got a few grey whiskers here, but I'm learning off you. You! That's what I'm learning off. All right, so I'm going to keep it pushing because I know we're, we're nearly coming up to two hours, Kwame. It's crazy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Pray for man again says favorite black execs, ideally OGs that you find inspiring or that you could learn from, like that black AR from the 90s you just mentioned. I think that was Mickey D, but yeah, who's your yeah? I think Mickey, Mickey D to me, if he was around now with the run of well, if he was around in, in, the, in the record business now, mm. right. He would, he would, he'd be in a ridiculous position because his run, the run that he had, I mean, he had something like. What did he do? Did he leave? He left the industry. It was a weird one, really. No, the industry pushed him out, and and you know, Keith Harris talks about this a lot. You know, where there's only a few of us that have managed to just keep in it. You know, mm. because you know, many of the things that young people now are marching about are the things that forced like a lot of people out you know mickey he he had a, he he he's amazing amazing a and r guy he had really golden ears he found mark morrison or should i say he um nurtured my i think he was signed by clive black originally but he nurtured mark morrison in fact he mickey probably co-signed him i don't even know but you know he nurtured mark morrison came across those big records and literally, you know, he saw it. 
you know? Mm. Return of the Mac, all of that. Tunes that still play today. Charlotte Emma, you might need somebody. Cleopatra coming at you. Like, all of these acts he signed and he had this phenomenal, glamour kid. He had, he had this phenomenal run, you know? It was like 14 top 10 or top 15 records. He just had them on the trot. That's but, crazy. But he was being poached by one record label and something just didn't work. And it meant that he had to... I just All I know is there was a, there was a kind of bodge up there. Something didn't happen. And then from then on, he just didn't get embroiled. It was really weird. He just didn't get embroiled. You know, and, and he was a, he's a great, great A&R guy. You know, so to me, I hats off to him. He gave me my first kind of break. OGs-wise, obviously, Tim and Danny. Let's be real, man. I mean, come on. Incredible. The work with those guys, I will call them out forever. You know, Danny D, what an amazing mind. Tim Blacksmith, what an amazing mind. The fact that, you know, these are two black execs from the UK doing well, really well in America. I mean, incredibly, probably one of the most successful independent publishers, full stop. Yeah? yeah. Uh, you know, talking about people that have signed Sam Smith, talking about people that have signed Naughty Boy, talking about people that have got Stargate, you know, Stargate Productions, go and look it up. I mean, when you look at the record count of those people, everybody from Rihanna to whatever, do you know, Katy Perry, you know what I mean? Crazy. So, whatever. And then they're still, they're signing people all the time. They, they just had a number one on Billboard. Ah, yeah, please, that, that's, that, that's, that's theirs, the BTS thing. Yeah. Like, so, come on, man, you know, what's that, Jessica Agonbar, you know? The, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Dave Stewart, man. She's an amazing writer, you know? So, yeah, Stella Songs, exactly. Daddy D from West London, from North West London, exactly. So, yeah. So, there, Keith Harris, obviously, please, manage Stevie Wonder, you're always going to tick in my, tick in my, my shoes. You know, so, that, I think, um, I think, um, there was a guy called Peter Harris. You should look him up. He was, he, he passed away, but he was an incredible uh, independent. He signed the Ragged Twins. He signed like all of these like, sort of free junglist like acts. He's, yeah. he's a, he was a badass. He was a, Peter Harris was a badass. He was wicked. Um, um, OG, 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 OG. Well, oh, Jackie Jack Davidson. Jackie Davidson. Jackie Davidson. Yeah, still looks after, you know. Well, got mommy Jackie, man. She's always there for us. Jackie, you know, come on. You know, Paulette Long, OG. Like, if you want to know about publishing, go see Paulette. Wow. She's like proper. Do you know what I mean? So she's incredible too, you know? Um, All right. I'm missing, I'm, I'm, missing people out. I'm missing people out, I'm telling you, but there's too many to mention. There's too, ma there's too many people that I look up to from them <laughs> that I'm just like, you know, please, Mervyn. Mervyn. Mervyn Lynn, yeah. you know, he, you know, who went on to work for MasterCard, do all of that stuff. Do you know what I mean? And and then before then was working. I think he was at BMG, you know. So he's you're talking about somebody brought through like Puffy, all of that, loads of that stuff. Do you know what I mean? He was a black exec then in the nineties. Do you know what I mean? Right. So. I'm going to rush you through some next ones because I, I think we're going to lock off again in like three minutes. Um, okay, so 
There was one last one in the box. G-Star said, radio doesn't have as much influence as TikTok is taking over. How do you suggest pushing music on there? G-Star's getting his money's worth, you know. He needs a customer. G-Star's not playing. <laughs> yeah, I just think with, with, with TikTok is the new frontier. So I think you have to attack it with the same zest, which is get on your horse and ride, man. And get into TikTok, work out how to use it, find people, find tribes. That's what I say. Find tribes, find followers, find people that are into what you what you do, and and take it from there. You know. So yeah, I, I, yeah. it's very exciting. TikTok's very very exciting. You know, we've got, we've got a few things going on in there at the moment, but I'm not going to say what they are. <laughs> All right. So that's one quickly. What are the most important black-owned labels in the UK? Well, I guess that's your opinion, or maybe what the most important? Yeah. Well, I just I just look at the ones obviously. What are the most important black owned labels in the UK? It's a tough one. Well, I think they're all important. <laughs> I do, I think they're all you know, since ninety three obviously is very, very important. You know, dream life and what's going on there, very, very important. You know, I I don't know, I just I look there's a there's a whole bunch coming through that I just go, yeah. Or as I said before, don't wait till those record label owners are dead before you turn respect. Because you have to understand, those people have walked through brambles, bushes, everything to get to where they are, right? And also, I'm going to say it now with my chest. I want to see a major label sign a woman, MD, Black, it has to happen. Yeah, we need a black woman running a label. Running it. Say. Because you have to understand, Sylvia Rohn gave me my break. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm saying it from that perspective. And I've met Sylvia Rohn when I was in LA. Very inspirational, very powerful lady. Listen, she ran, she ran that, things man. differently, man. Differently. So this is what I'm saying. How male chairman have not worked it out. Listen, women are not just 50% of the market, you know. They are leaders, mate. Leaders. Early adopters, you have to understand, and I'll give you this, people. I'll say it. Be quick. <laughs> Early adopters, that's who I go to. When I'm, uh, when I'm, we knows, I'll play her something, I'll go, what do you reckon? Yeah, and she'll tell me. Right. She goes, yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. Much more so than a guy. I'm just saying, sorry, but yeah. Anyway. All yeah. right. So listen, this has been amazing. It's been a pleasure. This is going to lock off in a minute. We've done two hours. Boom. Thank you so much, Kwame. Like, Boom. you smashed it. You know, this has been Tempo Flow Music Industry Talks. It's also uh, on Spotify, on Apple. And uh, Kwame, thank you very much, man. You've ended season one with us. You've given us two hours of knowledge and... Listen, oh, and somebody make Zion an MD as well. Somebody make Zion Richards an MD as well, man. Come on. Big up, Zion. We got to big up, Zion. Yeah. All right, then, Kwame. We'll catch up. Thank you very much. Later. Pleasure. Boom. Look after. Well done, Lloydy. See you later. You're doing good. You're doing big things. All right, we'll catch up. All right, see ya. Pray for man. Shawnee Caballero. Later. I'm gone. Look after. Gonna eat food now. Woo! <laughs>
Lock off, lock off. Right, guys, that was amazing. We got ten seconds left. Watch this back. <laughs>